Thank you, Pastor Francis. Um, and obviously, good morning to everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. Um, yeah, let me start with the word of prayer as we go into uh, this passage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your, for your love and your grace. We thank you for your many provisions. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we pray today that as we delve into your word, as we think about who you are, uh, how amazing you are, as we think about who we are um, and how blessed we are in Christ, let us just just worship you, Lord, and let us uh, seek to live a life that truly honors and glorifies you. We pray that today that uh, just as we go into the scriptures a little bit more, that we would just be, again, continue to be amazed by who you are and that we will respond with worship unto you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. So today we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, as Obviously, we've been in the book of 1 Corinthians for a little bit now. And, and today's passage is just really continuing the thoughts of just the previous passages, chapter 1, and obviously the beginning of chapter 2 that we spent some time on. And, and today we see the Apostle Paul kind of continuing his thought, and he, he talks about wisdom, and he talks about really God's wisdom. And it's a, it's a great topic because who among us does not want wisdom? Who among us wants to be foolish? Nobody. I don't want to be foolish. I'm sure none of you want to be foolish. And if somebody calls us a fool, right, it's, it's offensive. Right? We, don't want, we don't want to hear that. Sometimes when we feel like a fool, obviously, we don't like how that feels. But when we feel like we are growing in wisdom, when we hear from others that perhaps we're growing in wisdom, it's, it's encouraging. And when we see someone that we love growing in wisdom, again, that is also a blessing, that is also an encouragement. And today, the Apostle Paul is talking to us and really sharing with us about the wisdom of God and how, how we can attain it and how we can, how we can know and have that wisdom but also what that wisdom is not. And so in today's passage, he, he starts by saying, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And, and the Apostle Paul is really letting us know that the wisdom of God, God's wisdom, is not the wisdom of the world. Now that might seem kind of obvious, but we, you have to realize, you know, the, the Corinthian church, there were a lot of people there that, that thought they had wisdom, that thought they were wise. And we, saw, we see factions in the Corinthian church because people think I'm wiser than you, I'm smarter than you, we have true wisdom, right? We have true knowledge, you know, we, we know more than you. And so we have this division, we have these factions, because people thought they were wise. But a lot of this wisdom that they thought they had was not godly wisdom. It was not wisdom that was coming from God. It was a wisdom that was worldly, a wisdom of, as Paul put it, of this age. And so Paul wants to make it really clear. The wisdom that I want to impart, that we want to impart to you, the wisdom that you need, the wisdom of God is not worldly wisdom. That's what he says. We do not, we impart wisdom. It is not a wisdom 
of this age or the rulers of this age. Now, here's the thing. People tend to trust in worldly wisdom. And I think even today for us, we, we tend to take pride in wisdom that we think we have or, you know, a wisdom of the world that we, we think is so valuable. And we strive after often the wisdom of this age that often is opposed to the wisdom of God. But what God makes clear is that the wisdom of the world is insufficient. It is not sufficient for us, especially obviously not for our salvation. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 1.19, which we looked at a number of weeks ago, uh, the Apostle Paul, he seems to be referencing Isaiah 29, he's, and he writes, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Right? So this is God speaking. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Right? God is saying that God will destroy human pretensions to strength, human pretensions to wisdom. Because human wisdom is coming from a sinful, self-centered people who are not God-centered, but are obviously self-centered. Everything is related to me. It's all about me, me, me. And that is the problem with sin. It's all about me. And God will destroy the wisdom of the wise. Now, I want to qualify something here. God is not saying that we cannot learn from, you know, from the knowledge of the world, and to some extent, even the wisdom of the world, there is common grace in the sense that we learn from scientists, where we learn, obviously, from health professionals, and, and, there, and there are things in the world that we learn and that are actually helpful to us. But in talking about this wisdom of this age, really, again, as he's kind of continuing the thought from chapter one and in the beginning of chapter two, in, in this time, when people talked about wisdom, they were thinking about philosophy and philosophers and people that seem to have a principle or a really a methodology and a, just a, a, a knowledge and wisdom that talked about life, really a worldview, where people that had a philosophy that explained what life is about, what the meaning of life is about, what the purpose of life is about, and how to live life. And how to, you know, and just how to, how to be and how to do. And, and what God is saying is the wisdom of the world that tells us what life is about. The wisdom of the world that talks about the philosophy, the purpose of life, right? What the way to true happiness might be and what, how we should live our lives. This wisdom of this age is terribly insufficient. Right? It is actually wrong because it is human wisdom. And so God says in the first Corinthians chapter one, verse 20 as well, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. And it's a reminder, the philosophies of this world, when the world tells us how we should live aloud, the purpose of life, what the philosophy of life is, what life is all about, and how we can be happy, how we can be joyous, or how we can reach God, and, and all those things. See, that is not the wisdom of God. And I think it is an important reminder for us 
as the people of God, that we don't want to get sucked into the wisdom of the world. If the, if the world says, hey, it's all about, I don't know, money. You just want to make a lot of money and that will make you happy in life. We know that is, that is not true. Right? God says to store up treasures not here on earth where rust and moth destroy, but to store up treasures in heaven. Maybe, you know, the wisdom of the world says it's all about your career or it's all about, we can go on and on. But the word of God is very clear. The wisdom of this world is insufficient. It is lacking. It is not God's wisdom. And it says here in verse 6, right, who are doomed to pass away. Right? It is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So, the wisdom of God is not the wisdom of the world. We can't get God's wisdom just by studying literature of the world or just by going to school or by listening to different philosophers of the world. Well, how do we, how do we know what God's wisdom is? And in chapter 1, actually, he makes it very clear what, he, what he's talking about in this passage, specifically about wisdom of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 23 through 25, the Apostle Paul says, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man, the weakness of God is stronger than man. In verse 24 again, he says, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. A little later, chapter 1, verse 30 and 31, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So we read that Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, and because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. And so we know that when he's talking about wisdom here in this passage, he's talking about Christ and about the cross. It's the word of the cross. It's the message of the cross. Talking about our crucified Savior, the life and death of Christ, the work of Christ, what he has done. And it's foolishness to the people of the world. A crucified Messiah doesn't make sense to the world. It's foolishness to both Jews and to the Greeks, to the Gentiles. But what the world sees as folly turns out to be amazing wisdom. The cross is the love and the wisdom and the power of God. We see God's wisdom is seen in his plan of salvation obviously highlighted at the cross as we see our Savior crucified for the sake of his people. I mean, think about it. From a worldly perspective, as a person of the world who does not know God, who does not know Christ, the idea of God becoming man, the idea that God would condescend to be man, that, that our Savior would go to the cross, that Christ would take the place of sinners, 
will take the place of his own created people and die the death that we deserve. I mean, it just sounds like foolishness. And yet we know that this is the wisdom of God. And it says in our passage in verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And what is he saying? He's saying that this wisdom, it was secret. It was hidden. It was not obvious to everyone. But even though it might be secret and hidden, it was decreed by God before the ages for our glory. It is something that was the plan of God before even the ages. And so it is this eternal wisdom that we see from God. It is secret and it is hidden and is now revealed to us by the coming of Christ, by his life and by his work upon the cross. It's an amazing thing. But this wisdom, again, it is hidden. And it is secret, it is revealed to us now. And yet, it is also a wisdom that the world cannot understand unless they have the Spirit of God revealing it. Look at our passage again in verse 8. And Paul writes, None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Obviously, if they had understood this, they wouldn't have crucified Christ. And it says in verse 9, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, that passage, verse 9, it's it's a very well-known verse. And and it would appear that Paul is referencing Isaiah 64, maybe 65, parts of 64, 65 as well. But it's often not used to talk about heaven. Right? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love me. It sounds like heaven. And so people would talk about um, this passage in, in regards to what God has prepared for us in heaven. And it actually sounds very accurate, but in the context of this passage, it clearly is not talking about heaven. It is talking about God's wisdom. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined. It's something that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot see, we cannot understand. But that is why verse 10 says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And that really answers the question, if God's wisdom is not the world's wisdom, if God's wisdom is obviously seen in Christ, is secret and hidden, but now it's revealed to us, it is something that um, God decreed before the ages of, for our glory, well, how can we attain this wisdom? Is through the Holy Spirit, through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why in verse 10, again, God has revealed to us these things through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Of course, the Holy Spirit searches everything. And in verse 11, For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So so no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now that's kind of a good illustration that he's using. 
Because we may know people, we may think we know them well, but how well do I really know you? And I, I've known Pastor Francis for 20 years. And he was, a, he was a good brother to me when I first started out in seminary and first started serving. And I remember just uh, him being very helpful uh, in trying to understand ministry, understand, you know, uh, just, just a lot of things. But 20 years of knowing him, when I talk to him, I may think, oh, this is why he is saying this. This is why he's saying that. But I may be wrong because I don't know what's going on inside of him all the time. I don't know what his motivations are all the time. I don't know how his brain is thinking or what his heart is feeling at that moment. Even with my wife, I think I know my wife pretty well. But when I'm talking to Hera, I may think, oh, this is why she is saying that. This is why she's doing that. But do I truly always know every motivation, everything that she's thinking, why she's doing everything? I may often be wrong. Or if we have children, we may think, oh, I know my kids. I know what they're thinking. I know why. I know what they need. But do we really know as well as they do all the time? Whether it be our family, our friends, whoever it may be. We may think we know, but we don't truly always know. You know, there have been times in my life where I think someone is really nice to me and I'm, wow, you know, they're so good to me and they say such encouraging words and, and later you realize hey, they had other ulterior motives. Or sometimes you think someone is kind of mean, someone is a little rough around the edges, but you realize later that they meant well and it's hard to know. And if we can't even know people, accurately how can we think we could ever know god accurately on our own we can't so no one comprehends the thoughts of god except the spirit of god why because the holy spirit he is he is god he's the third person of the trinity and so he knows he comprehends the thoughts of god and so then Paul continues and he says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us, given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. Now, what is he saying? He's saying it is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who reveals to us the wisdom of God. Now, as you, know, as you look at different scholars, what they often talk about is that the Holy Spirit reveals and the Holy Spirit obviously inspires. And that's why we have the Bible. We have people like Paul, the Apostle Paul, and other apostles and other biblical writers who are inspired by the Holy Spirit, who has revealed to them the wisdom of God and is written in Scripture through the inspiration of God. And we have the Word of God now. But what then happens is that these, this Word of God becomes real to us. It is illumined to us by the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually 
discerned. And what, what, what Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals. And so we have the scriptures. We have the wisdom of God that are in the scriptures, but the natural person, the person that does not have the Holy Spirit, that the person who is not saved, the person who does not, who has not been illuminated by the Holy Spirit, they, they don't see, they can't fully grasp. They may read the words and they may say, yeah, that sounds interesting. Or they may say that sounds foolish. But when the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts, when the Holy Spirit is showing us clearly what God is saying to us through his words, we can see Christ's wisdom. We can see the wisdom of God. We can see the plan of salvation in, in the book, in the word of God. And we are so moved and we are so stirred and we are so fired. I remember being a, a high school student. I believe I was a sophomore or junior and I grew up in the church and you know, that's, that's all I knew. My, my father is a pastor and, you know, I was born into the church. And when I was young, I believed everything they said about Jesus. But to be honest, I believed in Santa Claus too. And you just, just kind of believe. And it really wasn't until I think my middle school years where I came to really know Christ personally and really accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. And then as I started reading the word, it was crazy how the same book that I had read for years and often found interesting, right? Because I, I used to read the Bible all the time. My father, he would force me to read the word and, you know, you would just read it and he would bribe myself and my sister by promising us different gifts if you could read the whole Bible. And, and so this book that I had read so often just became a lie. Where now, after I was saved and the Holy Spirit was working inside of me, these passages, they started making more sense to me. And God would just touch my heart and start stirring in me. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He is the one that reveals. He, you know, by the work of the Holy Spirit, we have, it's through the inspiration of God, we have, we have, we have the scriptures. And now, as we read the word, it is spiritually discerned. We read it, we are fed, and we understand more and more of the wisdom of God. If you look at verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Obviously, we can't instruct the Lord, but we have the mind of Christ. As we read the word, as we study the word, as the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts, as we are studying the word, we, we understand the mind of Christ, not fully, but we are coming to know Christ more and more and more. As we look into the depths of the gospel, you know, there are people that say, you know, the Christian life should be more than Christ, right? They say, oh, the gospel, it's great to you know, you know, hear the gospel when you first get saved. And, and, and once we understand the gospel for salvation, you know, for our justification, then, then we need to move on to these other wisdoms, right? To, to really grow. And, and, the, and Paul would say otherwise. The, our Bible will say otherwise. Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, yes, when we first hear the word of God and when we hear the good news of Christ and when we first 
really cling on to the cross and we're saved. It's in a glorious thing, but it doesn't stop being glorious and amazing. We apply the gospel into our lives day after day after day. We need to hear the word of God being preached to us. And we need to hear the gospel being preached to us constantly, consistently. We need to apply the gospel into our lives consistently. We need to look to the cross every single day. As we see the power of God, as we see the love of God, as we see truly the wisdom of God in the cross. And as we come to know Christ more and more, Christ crucified, as we come to know the gospel more and more, we continue to grow in our faith. We see how holy our God is more and more every day. We see how sinful we are more and more day after day. And we realize there is no way I could dare to look to my holy God without the cross of Christ. And we, our gratefulness grows every day. And as we understand the cross more and more, we just give glory to God. But also because of what we have learned in the gospel, we want to love our neighbors. We want to just be a blessing to them and show the love of Christ. We are able to forgive those who we could previously not forgive. We're able to overcome sin that we previously thought we could never overcome because we have the power of the gospel in our lives. We're able to overcome our anxieties. We're able to overcome our anger. We see the, the root heart issues and we apply the gospel in our lives and we overcome these things slowly surely and we continue to grow why because we are understanding more and more the wisdom of god that we see so clearly highlighted in the plan of salvation and obviously in the cross of christ in the gospel and so my my hope and my prayer is this that we would not just keep looking to the wisdom of the world, the philosophies of the world. We will not just buy into what the world tells us life is about. But we will look to the scriptures. We will look to the cross. We will look to Christ, the wisdom of God, that we will look at the gospel message, that we will cling on to the cross every day. And we will say, Lord, I don't want to live like the rest of the world does. I don't want the wisdom of just this age. No, Lord, I want your wisdom. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that through the cross, I now have a relationship with you, Lord. And help me to grow in my understanding of the gospel every day as I more and more have the mind of Christ and as I grow in Christ and as I through the Holy Spirit working in me, become more and more like Christ as the fruit of the Spirit grows in my life and let us live a life that truly honors and glorifies God. Let us truly live a life that is a blessing to others. Let us continue to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Let us pray. Father, we 